reason. Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to His kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. This morning, um, we're going to be in a whole bunch of places, uh, a whole mess of places, in, in all in the New Testament, essentially John and Acts, so it's nice because they're right beside each other. But if you are looking for a place where you may want to like camp out or, or, or hold on to, because it's kind of the, the anchor point of everything kind of leads to this and then flows out of it, it's Acts chapter 1. If you want to turn somewhere, you can go there, um, or, or you can try and keep up. But last week... We we looked at the what looking looked at the four pillars, the four foundational pillars of what it means for us to, to be a four-square church. At least we began looking at them. Four-square, if, if you don't know or if you're new to our church, is, is the denomination that, that we are a part of. And like the name suggests, there are four foundations of what it means to have the four-square gospel. And each of these four things are centered around the person of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about the first one, the red square, Jesus Christ, the Savior. And now this week, we're going to talk about the next one, the yellow dove, Jesus Christ, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to, I want to sort of start off my message today with, with a bit of, not a disclaimer, but just to let you know, um, this is going to be a bit of a different kind of message than, than perhaps you're maybe usually accustomed to, to me preaching. This is a lot of, a lot of foundational stuff, a lot of, of where, where this theology for us comes from, because that's an important thing to understand, is, is where our theology and all of this comes from. And because of that, I think I might preach another sermon on this topic next week, That'll be a little more of, of, a, of a sermony kind of thing, but this is a little more foundation-laying, sort of teaching, sort of understanding our, our, our position and where our theology comes from. But to understand the foundation of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit need, meet, means, we need to look at a whole bunch of different passages today. And as I said at the beginning, so, so I hope either you've got your flipping fingers on this morning or, or you're welcome to just follow along on the screen because we're going to be moving through them quite quickly. But Acts chapter 1 is the best place to go. But to understand what, what, this, what the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what all of this means, we, we need to begin by looking at the baptism of Jesus. This is the first place where, where we get a picture of the Trinity of God. There's this moment at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 3 where, where Jesus comes to be baptized. And there's this moment where, where this voice from heaven speaks, being God the Father, saying, this is my Son who I love and I'm well pleased. And, and then scripture will say that, that the Holy Spirit shows up in the form of a dove. And then there's the physical body of Jesus. And the, this moment is the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. 
that, that from this moment forward, Jesus' life is different. But we see the three parts of the Trinity all here. God the Father, this is my Son, and the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus, and Jesus physically being baptized. And so Jesus now begins to work his public ministry out. Now, later in the book of John, where this is where we're going to look at a couple places in John, we, we read about in really, actually really great detail the things that Jesus talks to his disciples about at the Last Supper. Is in many of the other Gospels, it, it's kind of just a, a small section, but John really gets into everything that Jesus had to say in this dinner, and it's this wide-ranging topics that he shares with, but in John chapter 14, he turns his attention to what life is going to look like when he's gone. What life is going to be when Jesus leaves, when Jesus dies and is resurrected and ascends into heaven. And he tells them that when he's gone, the Father in heaven is going to send them this helper, this advocate, this teacher. It says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and, I, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Jesus says that, that the Father in, in his name is going to send this helper, that this, this Holy Spirit, this advocate, that's going to carry them through this. And, and so then if we jump ahead from, from this point, so, so we see the Holy Spirit ascending on Jesus at his baptism. Then we have this moment in the Last Supper where Jesus says, my Father in heaven is going to send this spirit to you that's going to help you, that's going to advocate for you. So then if we jump a few pages further, and I told you we're going to be looking at lots of scripture this morning, to John chapter 20, we see this moment where, where Jesus has died. By John chapter 20, Jesus has died. The tomb has been discovered to be empty. And, and Jesus has been rose and, arisen again. And he's about to appear to his disciples. His disciples have gathered together to sort of try and figure out what to do with all of the things that are happening and all the things that are going on in their lives and around them. And they've gathered in this locked room because they're afraid, because they don't know what's going to happen to them. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this locked room, in this gathering of disciples, Jesus appears. And suddenly, Jesus appears in the midst of them, and, and he will say this to his disciples. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, oh, I put both verses there. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in this moment, he breathes on them. He, I'm, you know, not COVID, you know, that was not a thing back then. So this was okay. This was all right. Nowadays, we're not, we're not going to be breathing on each other, at least hopefully. But Jesus, in this moment, he breathes on them, he blows on them, whatever. You know, and, and we see in the very beginning of scripture that when God created man, he breathed his breath into their lungs. And in this moment, Jesus breathes on the disciples and, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so they are given the Holy Spirit in, in this moment. And, and there's, there's that that takes place. Jesus breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. But then again, if we jump ahead a couple of pages in Scripture, we, we've, we see that the journey with the Holy Spirit isn't over yet. If you're, if you're in John chapter 20, if you're doing your best to try and keep along, it's just a couple more pages over. You'll discover Acts chapter 1. 
And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is getting ready to depart. He, these are kind of some of his last words that we have recorded that he's going to share with his disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, this is sort of that anchor scripture. And, and we'll, we'll read verse 8 as well. But this is sort of that anchor scripture that we're talking about when it comes to understanding this. this in John chapter 1, or sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus will say, or scripture will say, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, the, the one which you had heard me speak about. You remember the thing that I told you about in, in, in John chapter 20, or John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, I told you that there was going to be this helper, this advocate that was coming. You've heard me talk about it. Stay in Jerusalem until you get there. And then he says this, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so we have sort of the, these two moments that, that exist almost next to each other. By John chapter 20, the book of John is almost over. And then we have Acts chapter 21. And what we have is Jesus breathing on them in John chapter 20. But there's more to the Holy Spirit than just that moment. That, that whatever the relationship is that the disciples were to have with the Holy Spirit, there's this moment where Jesus breathes on them, but it's not the full experience of what they're going to experience with the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them, and then a few, then later on, he says, now you need to wait, because after I'm gone, there's going to be this other thing that's going to take place between you and the Holy Spirit. The, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that then, that's what Jesus calls it. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was a separate event from the receiving of the Holy Spirit in, in John chapter 20. When you meet Jesus, you, you, you receive the Holy Spirit. You, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. We call this, we call it the infilling or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That the moment we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. That, that, that's part of the salvation promise. So if you know Jesus, if you have accepted him into your life, if you've had that moment, you have the Holy Spirit within you. The Bible will tell us in the book of Ephesians that, that the Holy Spirit is like a seal that God puts on our lives when we're saved. In Ephesians chapter 1, it will say this, And you also were included with Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked... In him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. On your life, when, when you received Jesus, you became God's property. You, you became property of the king. Your life was now God's. And scripture will say that it's like he puts his royal seal on your life. But it's not a wax seal or something like that. But it's, it's that he gives us the Holy Spirit in that moment to mark for us in our lives, that we are now his. We receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus as Lord. When you receive, or when you believe you receive the Holy Spirit in your lives, there's no process. There's no sort of like, now we begin the journey of the receiving of the Holy Spirit. It, it happens. And it, it's like a seal, like on a letter, it locks it in, it makes it secure. And when we believe and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're given the Holy Spirit in a moment of, of, of assurance that, that we are in fact saved. 
And, and this is really key and crucial to understand for later as we're going to begin to unpack some more scriptures to keep in the back of your mind that, that when we receive Jesus, we, we, we receive the Holy Spirit. Just like when Jesus breathed on the disciples, he wasn't teasing them. He wasn't breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit, but not now. Just wait. There, there's the, the, the step. But then there's this other thing, this other moment. They have received the Holy Spirit, but they're still going to have this moment that Jesus will say, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism comes from, from this Greek word, and it's pronounced baptizo. And it means to be immersed or submerged in something. It's why when we do baptisms, and, and one day soon we are going to do another baptismal service. That the, we're, we're, we're looking at how we can do that safe and, and all of those kinds of things. But we are going to continue to, to baptize people even in this season. And, and I cannot encourage you enough when we announce our next baptismal service, if you haven't been baptized, to do that. To take that step, to make that choice, to do that. But when we do baptisms, when you are baptized, you are going all the way under. When, when, when you get baptized, you are going to go all the way under the water. Right, Callie? You're going, you're going in, and you're, we're not leaving your nose out. We're not letting you keep one hand up out of the water. You're going in, and you're going all the way in. And, and that, because that's what the word means. And so when Jesus tells the disciples that there's this moment that's still coming, well, while they have received the Holy Spirit, there's this other moment that's going to come where they're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Where it's not that the Holy Spirit is just going to come and live inside them, but there's this other moment where the Holy Spirit is going to come and, and they're going to be like dunked in him. They're going to be stuck inside of him. That it's not just the promise of salvation that the Holy Spirit is going to do. But there's this bigger thing that's going to take place. And Jesus gives them an insight into what it means for them when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, and this, this may be a verse that, that you're familiar with, where it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The point, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we would, we would spread the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. That, that we would be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And, and, and when, when you read that verse, that's really where we live. We, their understanding of the ends of the earth, if they had an understanding that there was a place called Canada, which there wasn't, but if they could somehow see into the future and they did, we are that. We are in the ends of the earth. But the point is that we would be witnesses that, that you would have a love that comes from somewhere beyond you. That you would know things that would come from somewhere beyond you. That you would have a boldness that comes from somewhere beyond you, that you, would, you will receive this extraordinary power for Christ-exalting, Christ-proclaiming ministry. That this is the purpose of our lives, to share Jesus with others. And, and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive supernatural power 
to do that. And this, this is a place where sometimes when, when you're a church that, that embraces the fullness of the Holy Spirit, where things can sometimes get a little weird. Because sometimes we lose focus on why we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can, we can forget that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, the purpose of all of this supernatural weirdness is not merely the existence of supernatural weirdness. That, that we, we don't just chase after these signs and wonders. We don't just chase after this supernatural weirdness. But the reason why we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Jesus makes it plain and simple. The reason why we have this is so that we can tell people about Jesus. And that's the direction that all of these gifts are supposed to take us. And so that's where, when so you go to some churches and you hear people talk about charismaniacs and swinging from chandeliers and all kinds of crazy stuff... It's supposed to be about Jesus. That's all it's ever supposed to be about, is about bringing people in to Jesus. And so while we believe in the gift of speaking in tongues, and we believe in the gift of prophecy, and we believe in the gift of healing, and we believe in miracles and words of knowledge and wisdom and all of these things, they need to be pointing people to Jesus or, or we're not doing it right. If, if we're having services and people are getting healed and all of that, but we're not seeing people saved, we're missing the point. If we're speaking in tongues and we're having these incredible intimate moments with God through the working of his Holy Spirit, but it's not the overflow in our lives is not the gospel being spread, we're missing the point. When Jesus said you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and when this Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to do all these really weird and crazy things. That's not what he says. He said, when you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be witnesses to the entire world of me. And so we, that's where I think at times we can lose focus as, as Christians, as, and not we as in us specifically, I mean the greater, the greater idea of the church, is that sometimes we can lose focus on the point of what these things are supposed to be. But to help us understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means for us from this point on, we're going to follow a couple patterns that show themselves up in the book of Acts. The, the fulfillment of the promise that's made here, that when Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, there's a pattern that we're going to see as we look through the book of Acts and the manner with which the Holy Spirit shows up. So there's going to be these two parallel things that we're going to see again and again and again through these different scriptures that we're going to look at. And so we begin in Acts chapter 2 where we see the fulfillment of this moment when Jesus says there's going to be this moment where the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Acts chapter 2, we see this moment. It says this, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they all, all of the disciples, there's probably about 80 people or so, it's not the 12 disciples that we think of. There's a lot more people. They're both men and women. And, and they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
There's this moment where, where they have this undeniable, incredible, supernatural experience where they're sitting there and the sound of a wind blowing through and, and what looks like tongues of fire come into the room and they start landing on people. And it's just this crazy, incredible moment. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And then immediately what happens? They become witnesses. The, the promise that Jesus made that you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem. Right away this begins to take place as, as the chapter unfolds in the rest of the book of Acts for that matter. We see the purpose of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit being fulfilled as, as in this moment there's this incredible moment and Peter stands up and he begins to speak and speaks this message to everybody gathered and we know that it was at least thousands of people because scripture will say that thousands came to know Jesus that day but others began to speak too because they began to speak in all of these different languages and it says that people heard the gospel message being proclaimed in their own languages people thought they were drunk but they they were just speaking other languages, but the immediate overflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the life of the disciples is becoming witnesses in Jerusalem. That that is the immediate picture that takes place. The very purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit immediately begins to be seen. But as, as the gospel spreads, and from this moment... They're all evangelists. And the stories of Jesus begin to spread and spread and spread. And so we begin to see this take place. As the gospel spreads through the power of the Holy Spirit, it continues to be this pattern. If we jump over a couple pages to Acts chapter 8. Remember with me. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That's what Jesus said, right? Well, in Acts chapter 8, we see that the gospel has made its way to Samaria. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 8, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, the next the, the, the place that Jesus had said, had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, yeah, that's right. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that were there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we have this thing where, where the, the gospel does just what Jesus said it's going to do. It spreads to Samaria and the word makes its way back to the disciples and, and Peter and John are sent to go help disciple these disciples and it says they've accepted Jesus and they've been baptized but they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. There was still more for them. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is given to us when we receive Jesus. But there's this other moment that they had not yet experienced where they were immersed into the Holy Spirit. They believed they had been baptized, but there was still this next part of the story that needed to be told. They needed this other thing. Even though they had the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on them. A couple more pages later in Acts chapter 10 the gospel continues to spread. So remember, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
That was the last, the last part that Jesus said. It's been to the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea, and then it's been to the Samaritans, and now it's on to the Gentiles, which for the Jewish people of the day was the ends of the earth. The last place that the Jewish Savior was meant to impact, the last part of the world that the Jewish Messiah was meant to impact was Gentiles. And so we are now, geographically, we're not at the ends of the earth, but in terms of our, the Jewish understanding of people, this was it. This was the end of the line. This was the last people in line. And specifically, we read about a man named Cornelius in his house. After accepting Jesus, Cornelius receives a vision from God telling him to send for a man named Peter. Cornelius doesn't even really know who Peter is, but he, he gets a word from the Lord that Peter is in this place. And so send for this man named Peter. You'll find him at this house. Have him come and, and speak to you. And to speak to all these who have accepted Jesus. So, so Peter comes and he's confused because he doesn't know who Cornelius is. And, and so, but he begins, the story begins to unpack, be unpacked for him. And, and he begins to, to speak to all of those who, who are new believers, these Gentiles. And it says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For or, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But there's these believers in Cornelius' house that are the last people on earth that should be receiving the Holy Spirit that came from this Jewish Messiah. And they've accepted Jesus, but now they need to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out once again on all these people gathered together. They had received Jesus, but now there's this other moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Just like Jesus said, we're seeing the power of the Holy Spirit spread through all of these places. And we're seeing this pattern continue in place after place where you receive Jesus, which means we receive the Holy Spirit. But there's this next moment where we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be what Jesus referred to as baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's just one more place that I want to look at. Just one more. I know you, if you're trying to take notes, you've written a lot of places, but we're just one more. Acts chapter 19. So if you want to turn to the last place, if you've been waiting for a place, Acts chapter 19 is the last place we're going to go. But they, and there's, there's a reason why I want to want to look at this passage specifically because sometimes we, we can sort of take this experience as something that was maybe meant for just these first disciples. That, that this moment that takes place, it was just at the beginning. That the first pouring out of the Holy Spirit and then, you know, Peter, James, and John and all, or Peter and James, these are people that were in that room. It was just this first generation of believers and they just needed to get the ball rolling that, that the disciples and Jesus just needed to get things underway. But now after they got this first step done, maybe it's different. I mean, after all, where is the wind? I mean, we don't, we don't hear that on Sunday mornings and when we say, oh, the Holy Spirit is in this place. It, we don't get the sound of rushing winds. 
We don't get the, the tongues of fire that appear in the room and then come and settle on each one of our heads and we can look around and go, oh, they're speaking in tongues, but they're not. What's wrong with that? that, 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 that this, this moment in Acts chapter 2 isn't replicatable in each, each instance where we discover the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But there's just one more place that I think will help us to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it involves nobody that was in that room on that day. That, that we're now removed from John and, and we're removed from Peter and we're removed from, from the first generation of disciples. We've moved into a, the next generation. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, the, the church in Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2, were written to this church that Apollos was at. Apollos was somebody who was with Paul and helped him in the church in, in Corinth. Now, if you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, you discover that there were some problems that arose in the church because of Apollos and, and Paul and the people choosing one over the other. But, but that's the context here. This is when Apollos is helping in the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. When, while that was happening, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Ephesus is the church that Ephesians is written, or the book of Ephesians is written to. And there he found some disciples. Now, when it says disciples, it's not talking about like the 12 disciples that, that we would know the apostles. That, when it's talking about disciples, it's really just talking about believers. There he found some believers, some people who followed Jesus, some disciples of Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So, so and I'll, I'll unpack that in a sec. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so the, the gospel is, is beginning to spread. And, and Ephesus, is, is these are cities outside of Israel that, where this is taking place. And the context and the understanding of Jesus and, and repentance and turning to him is, is getting to these people. But they're only getting bits and pieces of the story. God is still working in them, but they, they don't fully understand it all. Obviously, when they say, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Well, there's an important part that's missing there. But even their understanding of baptism is, is they were baptized in the name of John the Baptist. But that's, that's not what Jesus said we're supposed to be baptized in. And so, so Paul says, okay, we need, to, we need to take this one step further. That, that it's great that you're baptized into John the Baptist, but, but John's baptism was really just about repentance. It was just about changing your ways. But what you need is, is you can get the first half of John, you know, baptism is the symbol of the old self dying and a new self being risen up. Well, the baptism of John shows you the picture of that old self dying, but that doesn't give you your new self coming up. You need the baptism of Jesus. And so he says, Let's, let, let me go baptize you in the name of Jesus. And then verse 6 says that when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. They were baptized in the name of Jesus and Paul lays his hands on them. And we know, again, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. 
But then there's this other moment where they're being baptized in the name of Jesus and Paul places his hands on them and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes on them and it says that they begin to, to receive a couple of the gifts of the Spirit in that moment and it, it concludes with there are about 12 men in all. That there was a multitude of men who all had this same sort of experience. These men received Jesus, and by extension, they had received the Holy Spirit in their lives at their moment of salvation. But there was this other thing, this other depth that they were presented with. And so Paul prays for them and baptizes them in the name of Jesus. And then it says the Holy Spirit comes on them. But they had the Holy Spirit already. That's the promise of salvation. But there is this second moment, this second thing, where the Holy Spirit comes on them. And suddenly things are different for them, spiritually. There's this moment. So we've seen these two patterns developing through the book of Acts. One is the promise that Jesus made that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2. Judea, Acts chapter 2, and it spreads from there. Samaria, Acts chapter 8. And to the ends of the earth, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, as the gospel begins to spread. But there's also this other pattern of have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received? And the Holy Spirit, even though we know the Holy Spirit comes into us when we receive Jesus, there's this other moment where we receive the Holy Spirit. As a four-square church, we hold to this pattern for the lives of believers. And we see this, this pattern even in the lives of the disciples. Jesus says in, or in John chapter 14, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Then in John chapter 20, he says, or he breathes on them and they, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But then in Acts chapter 1, he says, you've received the Holy Spirit, but there's going to be this next moment that's coming where you're going to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to take on a bigger presence in your life. And then in Acts chapter 2, that moment takes place. And we see this pattern continually where everything is different spiritually. And as, as a four-square church, we hold to this pattern for the lives of believers where we come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises in John chapter 14. But then there's this other moment where the power of the Holy Spirit comes on our lives and suddenly everything is different spiritually. This is the moment that Jesus tells the disciples about in Acts chapter 1. And it's the same moment the disciples experience in Acts chapter 2. And that begins the expansion of the reach of the gospel. And it's the same experience that we see as the gospel expands. There's this moment of salvation. And then there's this other moment. And we see it in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19 all with varying degrees of separation from that original outpouring. There is this moment where we receive the Holy Spirit. But then there's a moment where we're immersed inside of the Holy Spirit. Now, to, to, to close our time off together, I just want to talk to you really quickly about a couple of things that can be, that can cause a little bit of confusion and a little bit of difficulty in fully understanding what these moments look like because our most direct parallel to the baptism of the Holy Spirit is baptism in water, but they're very different. And I, so I want to just, just talk about why this can create a couple of questions for people. Because we are clearly, and, and part of the reason is because we are clearly and comfortably able to point to a moment of water baptism in our lives. 
That, that we, can, we can look back and we can, I remember when that happened. There was a moment where I wasn't baptized and then a couple moments later, I clearly was. It's hard to forget something like that. But sometimes the baptism, the moment of Holy Spirit baptism can look a little less defined than that. You, you don't need a bathing suit to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We as a church don't need to rent a hot tub to make you be or to provide a space for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized in water, it's really hard to do it yourself. In fact, Scripture will say that you're not supposed to do that yourself. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't need somebody else even there. It can be just you and God in a moment like that. And there's no phrase to say there's no script. When we baptize someone in water, we will say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then down you go. Because that's how Jesus said to baptize people. That's what he said to say when you're baptized. Maybe in your life you never had a moment where you said, God baptized me with the Holy Spirit. Because that may not be a phrase that comes naturally to you in your walk with the Lord, in your vernacular, in the way that you speak, that may not be the way that you spoke. But maybe you've said, God, I want more of you in my life. God, whatever you have for me, I want all of it. Everything that you have for me, God. Maybe you, you, you've said, God, would you pour out more of your Holy Spirit on my life? Maybe you've prayed for the gifts of the Spirit, that you've heard a pastor or somebody talk about these spiritual gifts, and, and you've said, God, would you, would you just give me those gifts? That, that there, there's not necessarily the same formality of a moment. It can look, di there's, there's about 40 people here, and it can look 40 different ways for the 40 different people who are here today. There are a lot of different ways to pray to God to pour out his spirit on us. There, there's not that one sort of marker phrase. Oh, that's the one. You know, I've dunked my kids in the pool a lot of times. But they're not confused that they've been baptized a lot of times. When we go to Genesis Place and I'm throwing the kids around in the pool, they're not, Dad, did I just get baptized? Dad, did I just... Because it, it looks different. There is a moment when, when I baptized Owen where I said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't say that at Genesis Place every time I throw them in the pool. <laughs> the, it, it look, but, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily that formal. It can look different. And when you were baptized, when, the last thing that I just want to share about this is when we're baptized, we know right away exactly what it means that this has happened. You were dry. And then suddenly you were wet. And you don't come up out of the water going, was that it? Was, was that my baptism? Is that, is that what took place here? You know, is, is I'm dry, now I'm wet. And you know in that moment, my baptism has now taken place. And there's no confusion. There's no wondering. You know, Callie, when you came up out of the water, you weren't like, well, does it still have to happen? Or was that it? That was it. 
You, you knew in that moment, okay, we did it. Sometimes when we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, every time when we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it can look different for everybody. As, as, we, as we read through those scriptures, some people began to speak in tongues right away. They just began to have their heavenly language pour out of them. Some people began to prophesy. It says some people began to praise God. But there isn't this moment of like, I was wet, or I was dry, and now I'm wet. Where we come out, we're able to say, see, look, I can prove to you that I was just baptized in that moment. I am soaking wet. This, this is the, there, there isn't one wet, or I was dry, and now I'm wet, so now I know this fits everyone kind of moment with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the moment in your life where the gifts of the Holy Spirit become a real and palpable thing in your life. But it's not a flood. It's not somehow we pray, God, may the Holy Spirit come and come on me, and suddenly you have all of them all at once. And you become like this super human, superhero, Holy Spirit, just walking around and healing people and prophesying, speaking in tongues and performing. It's not this flood of all of a sudden, everything happens at the exact same moment. But now, the, the, the Holy Spirit can work through you and will begin to work through you. And for some people, they, they may begin to speak in tongues in that moment, but not for everybody. And for some people, you may begin to prophesy in that moment, but not for everybody. And, and there's a difference in, in this moment where it can be a little more difficult to say, in this moment, I know that I received the Holy Spirit because this took place. Other than the assurance that we know that when we pray to receive the Holy Spirit, that God's going to answer that prayer. And so we can have the assurance that, that whether something happens or something doesn't happen, in that moment that we have received the Holy Spirit. It's more intuitive than just dry and wet. It's more internal than that. It's just that suddenly everything is just different, spiritually. Spiritually. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is power that is meant for you. Power from on high. Just like for the disciples. And, and it's a power to help you be God's witnesses. We need to go back to that again. Because when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if all of these crazy weird things don't begin to happen, we know that we need those things not just so that they can happen in our lives. God doesn't pour out the Holy Spirit on, our, on us so we can feel better about ourselves or our relationship with him or, or whatever. Or I can somehow now pray in tongues like the other person at church. God does it so that we can be his witnesses to spread the gospel to the entirety of your, your world. I don't want to live in the shallows. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at CSAirdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. 
If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. There's no life without you in it. I want all of you take all of me. I want all of you take all of me. me. Mm-hmm.